Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. Catalytic converter thieves are driving law enforcement and Chicagoans crazy. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. If you're in the city, chances are you or someone that you know has had their catalytic converter stolen. Since 2019, thieves have taken more than 17,000 of them from cars across Chicago. And that's likely an undercount, according to a new Chicago Sun-Times investigation. Here to tell us more about what she found is investigative reporter Stephanie Zimmerman. So, Stephanie, just a little car talk to start things out. What is a catalytic converter exactly? Yeah, it's sort of this... um oblongish device that's on the bottom of your car. It's part of your exhaust system. And since the 1970s, they've been required on all cars. Unless you have an electric car, you have a catalytic converter. And some vehicles actually have more than one. So of all the parts to steal from a car, why are thieves targeting catalytic converters? So there's there are some precious metals inside the catalytic converter. The, the converter itself has a honeycomb-like interior. And in that inside portion of the converter are three precious metals, platinum, palladium, and rhodium, and they're worth a lot of money. These metals act as catalysts to remove these harmful gases from your emissions. They, they essentially help clean the, the emissions that are coming out of your car, so they're really necessary, but they're worth a lot of money. Um, uh, platinum and palladium right now are trading for about $1,000 an ounce for platinum, $1,400 mm-hmm. an ounce for palladium, and rhodium is like $6,300 an ounce, and it's gone as high as $29,000 an ounce. Wow. So they're worth a lot of money. How are they being stolen? So these, it's super organized. Uh, These are not usually freelance thieves. These are thieves that are part of a larger organization and they go and they scout out the cars. They, one guy will, you know, they come in a crew. They're usually armed. One guy will jack up the car. Another guy slides underneath. He slices off the converter using a um, battery powered saw, like a sawzall, right? Mm -hmm. Takes the converter and they can be in and out of there in like less than a minute if they're good. Wow, super quick. Yeah, and then they have other people in that criminal organization that go on to sell it every step of the way, and it ends up at a metal refinery. So for cars that have more than one catalytic converter, Stephanie, can your car still run smoothly if one of them gets stolen? Uh, no, I think once they slice this off, you're, you're toast. You have yeah. to go get it fixed. You spoke with several Chicagoans who have fallen victim to this kind of theft. I want to hear now from Shannon Kaysen, who is uh, taking care of his ex-wife's Prius when its converter was stolen. She, she lives in Detroit, but she left her car here in, um, in Chicago because she was driving out, flying out of O'Hara. So I parked her car right here. I dropped her off in her car, her Prius, and, and left it right here. I go to start her car, and it just sounds terrible like a diesel engine or something. So that's from a a video report that the Sun-Times made as part of your investigation. So how does Shannon's story resonate with so many others who are dealing with their cars being targeted? Yeah, Shannon's story is similar to thousands of people in Chicago to whom this has happened. And he was trying to do a good deed. He was trying to watch his ex-wife's car. And, uh, you know, it happened in his case, he thinks probably in the middle of the night. Nobody 
heard it, saw it, um, and even if they had, it wouldn't have made a difference. Mm. If you call the police, these people are gone before anybody can come. And the other interesting thing about Shannon was, like many others, he never filed a police report. So when we talk about 17,000 of these happening in Chicago since 2019, Shannon is not included, as well as a lot of other people. Wow. Yeah. And let's talk more numbers, right? Because this kind of theft, I mean, it's happening everywhere. It's part. This is part of a national problem, but you're calling it an epidemic here in Chicago. So give us more of a sense of just how bad the issue has gotten here in our area. Yeah, and it, it is truly a national problem. We we shouldn't think that we're anything special here in Chicago because it is happening in every city um, and also in, in rural areas. I mean, it's not just in the city. It's getting really brazen. I mean, it used to you used to hear about these things happening at night when people were sleeping. Personally, I got woken up out of my sleep at 3 o'clock in the morning to mm-hmm. somebody sawing one right off right under my window. And by the time I could wake up and have the presence of mind to think to call 911, they were gone. Was it yours or a neighbor's? No, no, it was my neighbor's, yeah. And I have another neighbor. It's happened to him three times. Wow. So this is really happening everywhere. And, um, and some of the thieves are getting increasingly brazen. Now we're hearing stories of middle of the day. I mean, you see videos on social media of people like walking down the sidewalk, watching people under a car and that what they're doing is stealing a catalytic converter. You know, speaking of it happening in the middle of the night, this this uh, happened to our Lisa Lobb is here at WBEZ. Well, not her, but a, a neighbor. She noticed out the window uh, at three or four in the morning, a crew stealing a converter from their van. Now, in her case, she called 911 and a couple of squad cars, they showed up Almost immediately, you know, the crew had by that point moved down the block. They had taken two more converters to your point earlier of how quickly they do this. Right. Um, But this was before cops chased them through Oak Park. And of course, they did not get caught. Is that typically the ending here? Yeah, that is very typical Um, of the 17,806 police reports that I got through FOIA from the Chicago police since 2019 of those over 17,000. 34 were paired with an arrest. Wow. So that's a, a tiny, tiny. Um, now, now there are some that have escalated into violence, and so those are not counted in the, in the total. But the police themselves have said this is something that is extremely difficult to solve. The few that did get caught, how did that happen? There were some police reports where um, they were able to get reports from the public and they knew that there was a pattern of a crew operating in that area and they were able to stop them and find if they can find enough evidence in their car, like, you know, say 10 sawed off converters, burglary tools, the sawzall, mm. you know, et cetera, they can try to make a case. And and the state's attorney has been trying in some cases to elevate it to a felony because what they can do is re- reason that if you take an essential part of the vehicle that makes it inoperable, it's akin to stealing a vehicle. So they can actually charge them with a felony, like a, sort of like stolen, stealing a, stealing a whole car. Because the catalytic converter is so important. I've heard of cases of it happening all across the city. Humboldt Park, I've heard stories there. Lisa's story happened in Oak Park. But what are some of the worst neighborhoods that you would say have, you know, the most cases of catalytic converter theft? Yeah, we did a data analysis and literally every single every single neighborhood in Chicago is affected by this. There's nobody left untouched. But if you adjust for population, some of the recently you know, looking, I guess, 20, 2022 up until the middle of May, some of the, the hot spots were West Town, Avalon Park, mm-hmm. Irving Park, Logan Square, North Center, Lower West Side, Lincoln Square, Near West Side, Jefferson Park and Avondale. So everywhere. So, so pretty much everywhere. But that that's only 
only a teeny part of the picture because it we we have if you look at the um, investigation online um, or in the paper on Sunday we had maps and and we had little tiny dots for all of these seventeen thousand and it's just like this splotch of wow. red everywhere. Wow. Well, the example we heard in the tape earlier, he was talking about his ex-wife's Prius, whose uh, converter had been stolen. But which cars are targeted more than others? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the hybrids are targeted. They mm-hmm. have more of, and especially the older Priuses, they contain more of these metals that everybody wants. Uh, also, SUVs get targeted just because they're higher up off the ground. So they're easier for the thief to get underneath. Yeah. Well, most of these converter thefts are happening, as we've talked about, while the owner is away. But sometimes confrontations between the thief and the owner can escalate to violence. You talked to a 58-year-old man who experienced this in in Roscoe Village on the north side, and he didn't want to be named. This was in fear of retaliation. But I do want to play a little bit of what he had to say. I knew exactly what they were doing right away, and I went out on the porch. Hey, get away from my car. And as soon as I said that, they drew a weapon on me, started firing. Uh, I was shot twice. I was shot once in the abdomen and once in the foot. It didn't hit any vital organs. Uh, or anything, but I was extremely lucky. Wow. That took a turn, right? Tell us more about his story. Yeah, that's absolutely terrifying. He, um, like he said, he, it was, and, and what you didn't hear was that it was a beautiful sunny day. It was the middle of the afternoon. He had a day off of work and he was in his backyard with his dogs and he hears this sound and he has a Prius and he knows exactly what's happening. And when he confronted the thieves, they shot him. They shot him twice and, and they actually also shot into a tree that he took cover behind, and he he thinks that that would have really hurt him. He was lucky because none of the um, wounds, you know, none of the bullets hit his uh, organs. Um, So he he spent a night in the hospital, but it was a $40,000 hospital bill. Wow. Covered by insurance. But again, you know, I'm a consumer reporter, so I'm always thinking, what are the other downstream effects of this? Mm -hmm. People miss work. They, you know, they have bills to pay. They have car bills to pay and repairs. So um, he was really traumatized. He's still getting therapy for that. And um, and he just feels like this is um, not so much a nuisance crime. This is a crime that really affects people and he wishes more could be done. Stephanie, what are people doing that's making them so hard to catch? Yeah, it's super organized. That's what I found fascinating. These are not just freelance thieves. These are these are organized crime things. So they'll have people that'll go around scouting out the cars. They know which models to look for, where they're parked. In in one federal case that was brought last fall, it kind of gave a window into how these these criminal gangs operate. And they were so organized, they were providing real-time dynamic commodities pricing on these precious metals to their downstream criminals who could use an app to see which cars to steal. It was so organized. And so then they, you know, they they scout out the cars. These cutter crews come through. These are these armed gangs. They're usually three to four young males. Um, They are, uh, there's there's a driver. There's a guy to jack it up. There's a guy to slide underneath and get it. And there's another guy doing security with a gun. 
Um, from there, they go to middlemen. So they pay the cutters, and the middlemen then take it to these, they're called core buyers. And these are like metal dealers, like scrap metal kind of people that are operating, you know, in a shady sense. And mm-hmm. they're, they're supposed to, they're not supposed to buy catalytic converters that are not documented. Like a normal seller would be like, say, um, an auto shop that had one that they're legitimately selling into the resale market, and it has to be documented. These are, these are shady people that are buying them through yeah. these middlemen from the cutter gangs. Those are the people that then decan them. They essentially crush that honeycomb interior, and they get those three precious metals out of it in powder form. By then, you can't tell where it came from. There's mm-hmm. no way to trace it back to the original car. They sell the powder to refineries that further refine the metal, and then it goes on to end users who pay a lot of money to wow. use it in industry. This is big business. It's so how much business. are they making from these stolen parts? Like, how much money are we talking here? Right. So the entire enterprise, like this one case that the FBI and the Justice Department announced last fall, this is a coast-to-coast operation that went from California to New Jersey. They took in $545 million. That's almost half a billion dollars in people's stolen catalytic converters. It's crazy. Um, In terms of the cutters themselves, those guys that you see on the street cutting it off your car, depending on the model, they're probably making anywhere from a few hundred dollars to, I've been told, up to $1,500 if they get a really good one. Wow. But they're working all night. You know, they take 10, 15 of them. Those guys are making pretty good money. So tell us how to protect ourselves. What can we do? Yeah, well, (laughs) you should try to park in a garage if you can. Not everybody can do that. Another idea is to put some kind of identifying marking on the converter. And there are police that sometimes have events or you can go to your mechanic. This really only helps you, though, if they've already stolen it. So if if you have some kind of a number put on there and you keep track of that number and somebody unfortunately takes your converter, you can go to the police and you can say it has this number on it. So if they recover it, they can match it back to you and then they have a victim and then they have a way to charge these people with a crime. The mechanic that we interviewed in the piece, and he's in the video too, he suggested uh, getting an aftermarket shield. And it's not the clamp that has the cables, because if he, he said if you put that on, they actually do more damage. They'll cut a bigger section out of your car to get oh. the clamp and the cables. He said to get the shield. It's like a large, flat metal shield, and they're sold online. You have to buy it for the model of car that you have so it fits. Take it to a mechanic, and they can bolt it on. And he said those are so intimidating to the thieves because they'd have to cut through this huge thing, and that they tend to see that, and they just go on to the next car. So the shield is the way to go. What what are city leaders doing to maybe step up efforts against this? Because, I mean, it's so widespread at this point. It really is. And we talked to Chicago police. We talked to Cook County Sheriff, state's attorney, talked to Illinois Secretary of State Police, FBI, all those people. You know, the city police, they say it's just so hard to catch these people in the act. They say that they don't dismiss this. It's just merely a property crime because they understand the violence associated with it. And they're all working on, a you know, how to get their arms around this. I, the Secretary of State Police uh, lieutenant that we talked to said that they've tried bait cars. Mm-hmm. They've tried surveilling parking areas. They've even tried undercover um, operations where they go into the scrap metal dealers trying to sell them converters and hopefully catch them. And it's been really hard because these 
criminal gangs are locked down pretty tight. They know who's who. And if somebody else just shows up uh, trying to sell a converter, they they know that that's not one yeah. of them. Um, you know, they're trying. The police say that people can help by continuing to file reports. Don't get the sense that, you know, it's not worth doing yeah. because it does help them establish a pattern. And then they can, you know, and they are aware of several gangs that are doing this. So file a report. Don't try yeah. to convert confront them oh yeah definitely don't try to confront them because of the guns and the violence and the potential for violence we'll have to leave it there chicago sun times consumer investigations reporter stephanie zimmerman now you can read her full story at uh, chicago.suntimes.com thank you so much thank you This episode of Reset was produced by Michael Liptrot, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Stephanie Kim. And speaking of converters, have you converted yourself into a Reset newsletter subscriber? Well, if not, you are missing out. Get all the big headlines here in Chicago and Illinois and have the chance to join in on the conversation. Go to WBEZ.org slash Reset News to sign up. That's a wrap for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you this afternoon. If you need a break from the news, WBEZ's Nerd Up podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club. Listen to Nerd Up wherever you get your podcasts.